Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Running the 615 Podcast. This is your host, Drew Jones. You are listening to episode 22, and our guest today is country music singer Brian White. Brian was born and raised in Oklahoma. Then he moved to Nashville after high school to pursue a career in country music. Brian went on to sign a record deal here in Nashville, and he has had a very successful music career ever since. Brian has won multiple awards as a singer-songwriter, including Grammys, CMAs, and ACM Awards. Brian has recorded six number one hits to date, such as Sittin' On Go, Rebecca Lynn, and From This Moment On. As you can probably guess by now, Brian is also a runner. He has a great story about how running became a part of his life, and like so many of us, he feels that getting fit properly for a pair of running shoes was a huge game changer in his running journey. In this episode, we talk about Brian's love for running and that it's now a big part of him and his family's life. His wife, Erica, his sons, Justin and Jackson, are also runners. In fact, from the sounds of it, both of his sons are really good runners and they have already left Brian in the dust. What I really enjoyed in this episode is how much Brian appreciates running and the positive things it has done for his life. We also talk plenty in this episode about Brian's now 30-year career in the music industry, including highlights and challenges he has faced, especially this year with the pandemic and live performances basically being eliminated. Brian is such a great conversationalist, and he has a lot of insight on music, Nashville, and running. As you will hear, he is also very humble and just a super nice guy. Brian is another example of someone who was not totally sure about running when he first first started, yet stuck with it, eventually fell in love with it, and now has gone on to complete multiple half marathons and full marathons. As I'm sure many of you will agree, running makes everything better, and I appreciate Brian coming to sit down and talk with me about his life and what running means to him. 2020 may very well be the craziest year that any of us ever experience. Now that it's coming to an end and I look back on it, I don't think I've ever been more grateful to have running in my life. With the pandemic, the lockdowns, the worry, the anxiety, and the unknown about the COVID-19 virus, it's safe to say that being able to head outside for a run or a walk has truly been a gift. Not being able to run in races or with our local run clubs has certainly been disappointing, but it's also been a great reminder as to how special those things are, and I'm sure all of you, like me, will be really excited when they return. Thanks, as always, for listening to Running the 615, everyone. I hope you have a happy and safe holidays. Here we go, episode 22, country music singer, songwriter, husband, father, friend, and runner, Brian White. Welcome. Super excited to have Brian here to talk to me today. Brian, thanks for being here, man. You too, man. Thanks for having me. Excited. Yes, we, we've uh, tried to make this happen for a little bit, but with COVID-19, we were thinking sometime in the next three or four years it would happen, <laughs> but the sky's cleared for today. Um, so yeah, Brian, uh, excited to have you here. We always start the podcast off talking about running, if that's, uh, if that's all right. Yeah. Would love to hear your story about how running became a part of your life and, and just what were the factors involved with running, getting its uh, initial start with you. I love telling this story uh and like we were saying before we started today, you, you know, you you felt like you were kind of 
an, the unlikeliest to become a runner. I, I felt that way too. I never was really into it. And my brother, uh, who's a very active and he's an, he's an athlete, very active, uh, bike rider. And he called me one day and sometimes my brother will, will he's in philanthropy and, and worked for food for the hungry for a long time. He's a super talented photographer. He's kind of Jack of all trades. And he called me one day and he'll throw, sometimes he'll throw a, an opportunity at me and he'll say, Hey, uh, do you want to do this? Do you want to be the artist on this show? You know, they're looking for entertainment and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. And he called me, uh, about the, uh, Oklahoma city, uh, Memorial marathon, which is a, usually last weekend in April. And he said, they need entertainment for the, for the post show and they, they need somebody to sing the anthem. And I, and I, I said, yeah, if, if it works out, I'd love to do it. Um, and so we started talking and, um, he called me one day and he said, and there's one, one little, one little, uh, uh, stipula- stipulation and it's not, it's not contractual. It's, it's, this is my, my thing I'm throwing at you. If you're going to do this, we're going to run this together. We're going to run the half marathon together Oh wow! and we're, we'll run it for, uh, food for the hungry and we'll, we'll, we'll hope maybe raise some money. And, uh, and I said, man, I can't run it. I can't run that. I can't even run a mile. Are you kidding me? I said, there's no way I can do that. So I said, no, initially. And he said, okay, well, let me, let me just tell you how, how, what, you know, I've got a little bit of a regimen we can put together. We, you can do this if you, you know, get your head wrapped around it. And I was just laughing. I was like, there's no way I I can't do that. Keep the pitch going, bud. But the answer is, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'll help I'll post or whatever we can do to raise money, you know, and he's like, no, you can do this. And so after enough, enough, you know, uh, bothering me about it and pestering me about it, I, I agreed to, to at least entertain the idea of it. And so we started running uh, a little bit in my neighborhood and we basically it was like, kind of run 10 minutes, walk 10 minutes, because I mean, I just, I was not in shape. You were starting from, from, from ground. Yeah. I mean, and I had, I had an old, I don't even know what kind of shoes I had on. They were awful. And, uh, it's like running with concrete shoes on or something, you know? (laughs) And, um, and he, uh, it was just a miserable start. You know, I, I couldn't get it. I wasn't getting excited about it. It was just miserable. And he sent me this, plan to kind of stay, you know, for beginners. And I just wasn't into it. I was like, man, there's, there's just no way I'm going to be able to do this. And like two weeks, two weeks went by, you know, I'd maybe done a, a, a mile or two was my longest run. And he, he was like, man, are you okay? I'm like, no, my feet hurt. This is awful. You know? And I called a, a buddy of mine, a mutual friend of ours, who is a, a triathlete, and his name is Spence Smith. And I'm so excited to talk about this guy because he's been such a huge influence on me uh, from a running perspective and, and a life perspective. And I called him one day. He goes, Daniel said, you're, you're going to run a race, man. And I'm like, yeah, he thinks I'm going to run a race, but I don't know. And and he goes, man, you can totally do it. He said, I believe, I believe in you. And he goes, and I kept complaining about my feet. I just kept talking about my feet. My feet hurt. It's right. just I, my, my body is okay, but my feet are just killing me. And he goes, man, you need to go to fleet feet. And I'm not just saying this because I'm doing this podcast, but right. this is exactly what he said. He said, you need to go to fleet feet. There's one in Brentwood right down the street from your house. So I went in there and they, uh, I, 
I tried on five or six pairs. The the customer service was just through the roof good. And I ran around in all these different shoes, and they put me in a pair of shoes. And I, I kid you not, Drew, like from that day forward, it was like – it gives me cold chills to talk about it. It was like game changer. Like yeah. it changed my whole game. I went right. out the next day or either that day, whenever the next run was – and I tell everybody it was like I was running on a on a mattress top, yeah, like a like a pillow top mattress, and uh, from that point on it was just it was this you know just everything just started to go up, right, and and my body started getting tuned in and and uh, long story short my brother and I ran the half marathon and. I never stopped. It, it was a great race. It was driz, light drizzle, probably in the low 60s. And uh, I, it was just the most exhilarating experience to, to cross that. I mean, I cried when I crossed the finish line. Yeah. I almost get welled up talking about it right now. <laughs> when I crossed the finish line, and, you know, with your brother, uh, right. of all things, too. And we did it together. And um, after that, I, I've never looked back. I, I You know what year I never, that was? Uh, oh, gosh, I'll text you. I'll send it to you later. Uh, I, I'm thinking probably nine years ago. I'm not okay. maybe 2010, 2011. Something so like you're that. living in Nashville at the time, though. Mm-hmm. Your brother's here as well. Mm-hmm. He comes up with the idea, but you're going to go back to Oklahoma City, where you're from, yep. and run in this half marathon. Also uh, perform at the event, and then that. But that at least race and that you know first training for that was domino number one get right. me going yeah yeah and uh, i would never recommend playing a post show after you run <laughs> 13.1 miles but but did, i did you, it you didn't have as much pep on stage as maybe you normally would right exactly yeah. but but nonetheless it worked out and i did it but uh you know seriously i i, I was really the most unlikely person to become a runner and it, and it just something clicked when i got those shoes and and had that fleet feet experience and and it's just life has been different since that day you right. know well i worked at fleet feet back then and i'm not sure you it might was have been my, the one that gave yeah, me my it shoes. might have been me it sounds like me just hearing you tell that story uh <laughs> i had shorter hair then but you i mean in all honesty you know from someone who's you know worked at fleet feet been in the running industry a long time it is the most important piece of equipment for running and the second most important piece is not anywhere close. I mean, if you can get a pair of shoes that is right for your foot, right for the way you run, to your point, it's a game changer and it's it's what you you need to do and you would you would be everybody's favorite customer at a running store, someone who is going to be doing this new challenge, new distance, have been wearing old shoes, like seeing you come in with those old shoes saying, Hey, I need help, like you are the perfect customer for anyone who's ever worked in the running industry to get excited to help you out. And it's awesome that you had a positive experience, but then you've been a runner ever since. I mean, you know, it sounds like almost 10 years now and that's the best when that happens, man, that that ends up being such a good experience then and you stick with it. Yeah. And you know, I, I can't tell you how many people have given me a kind of a negative response when, when, you know, the, the conversations about running, somebody always will say to me, Oh my God, there's no way I could do that. Right. There's no way I could do that. I, you know, or I have one friend that always says there's the only way I would run five miles or whatever, you know, somebody had to be, you know, chasing me with right. a firearm or something or <laughs> a bear chasing me or something. Yeah. You know? But I think 
well, you and I are living proof that, you know, yes, you absolutely can do it. You yep. can totally become a runner. Yeah. And the, you know, the, there's so many components to that, but when, you know, when you run a half marathon, I mean, 13 miles is a long way, drive 13 miles in your car. Like it's a pretty decent distance yeah. and you complete something like that. It is solely based on you getting yourself from the starting line to the finish line. And it's definitely emotional, you know, any, any distance of real, you know, half marathon, full marathon, so forth, like the emotions run high at the end of the race, but it's, it's kind of the reward of being a runner too, right? When you train months for a certain race and you actually run that race and finish it, like it's, it's the ultimate high and, you know, 2020 has been, you know, maybe the, um, most important year ever for runners that we have this thing that we can do that is enjoyable to do. And, you know, I I don't know about you, but anytime I've ever been done running, like completed a run, like it is, it's just the best. I mean, it, sometimes it lasts 20 minutes, sometimes it lasts 10, but it's the best feeling, you know, to be done with a run, uh, and how it makes you feel inside. Yeah. 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 I always tell people, it's kind of like, your body kind of has a little bit of a buzz, mm-hmm. you know, it's the best way I can describe yeah, it. It feels you, like your body likes it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and it's it's, happy kind of, it's like you humming, it. you know, yeah. was there anything about running? You know, it sounds like based on that story that, you know, running hadn't been really a part of your life, but as you, as you did get into it, was there anything specific about running that was just interesting to you about just the sport of running itself that, you know, was a, you know, component to it to kind of keep you going? Um, well, I had always heard my whole life that, you know, well, there's a kind of a, a next gear that your body shifts into if you can just kind of get over the hump. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I found that out, you know, just by doing it that you, you really do, you know, your body kind of knows where it needs to go and you just, you, you don't force it. You just, you just kind of keep, you know, same thing with a, you know, I never thought I could run 26.2. Right. Or, or much less, uh, you know, or, you know what I mean? 13.1. Right. And, um, you just, you work up to those things and you, and you just, you don't, you don't go out and run that, you know, not training for it. And so I think just seeing that if you just do the work and keep showing up, your body knows, okay, I think it's, mm. you always tell people when my feet hit the pavement, I know mentally right there. I don't see a number in my head, but I, I kind of know mentally what I'm going to be capable of that day. Like right. when I want to run the Brentwood loop, um, I, I know when I'm going to be able to do it. I wake up one day and I go today. I think I have six in me today. I just internally know. And, um, and I, I guess to answer your question, it also, it's kind of this, this new tool that I have to where if I'm having a really, really crappy day, I mean, I, it's always the, it's it's great to have that that thing that I can go do to to it it really undoes all of the knots for mm-hmm. me mentally. Same, it, it doesn't man. change. Absolutely. It doesn't you know change it make it things. Go away, yeah, it doesn't but, make it go away. But right. it, it really helps you to deal with whatever is at at hand. You know, right. it's nice to be able to have a tool that you can you know or go out and and use like yeah. that. Well, and I mean you know, running also, my wife and I were talking about this too. It's something that just as you do it, you realize it, 
it just makes you feel better even so you know a lot of people like if they got home from a long day of work and they're super tired going for a run would sound like literally the opposite of what would be good to do when you're just mm-hmm. worn out but after to your point after you do it and you realize like, you know how you feel afterwards, if you're beat down and feeling pretty rough and you go run, like when you get done running, like, Oh my God, like I feel significantly better than I would if I went and took a nap yeah. on the, on the, on the couch. And you just, you have to do it to find out that that really does help. But I couldn't agree more. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's important. Totally. Um, so, so you said, so you've run marathons too. You've run some half marathons, you've run mm-hmm. full marathons. What's, what's some of your favorite, race or races that you've done now in your running career (laughs) well obviously the first one has so a lot of significance because it's the first time you did it and and you you know just getting you know the reward of man we we put this plan together and we executed and we did it you know kudos to your brother man for i know picking that race hometown race getting that distance and i mean yeah from everything from getting to perform at it to running the the distance for the first time like yeah he had a good chance of it being a part of your life by getting you to do it yeah and i'm not sure that i would have done it had he not prodded me you know to he he had an interesting uh hook you know and and it and it worked yeah he had an evil plan and it worked you know (laughs) But, good, um, good, good uh, foresight for him. Totally. Um, I, um, I. It's hard to say what what my favorite race is because I think there's been something significantly cool about all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, my first, um, uh, my first away. Ra- well, no, no, my first one was Oklahoma, but uh, I did the Chicago half one time. That was a really cool one. Uh, I had a show there, and some of my other running buddies we sort of devised a plan and we, we, you know, joined the race uh, that was, you know, because it was kind of, it was lining up with the show that I had and we all did it together there and stayed in downtown Chicago. But, um, I'd say probably one of my favorite races because it was a big, a, a new big milestone for me was running the, uh, Medtronic in Minneapolis, the, the full. Yeah. And, um, I have, I have a really big community of running buddies in the Minneapolis area. And, um, we, uh, when we're not able to run together, we sort of hold each other accountable with Strava. We use Strava. Strava's great. I love that that app. Yeah, for sure. And so we can kind of, you know, attaboy each other from a distance. And so my buddy, uh, Davide, uh, who's a really good friend of mine, he is uh, from Switzerland, but he's been in, in America for quite a while now. We, we commissioned to train together for that race. And those, you know, a lot of my friends there, like they've been, they were telling me for years, you can totally do a full, you can totally do a full. And I was still kind of in denial, you know, that's a long ways, but we did it and we trained hard. And, um, one of the things that I thought was so cool about that race and, uh, it was really similar to Oklahoma city. It was drizzly and, you know, mid, mid fifties, which is, I love, I love it. Yeah. Perfect. And, uh, I, uh, I have so many friends. I already said, I have so many friends in that city. I, I had real bad heartburn, like in the first 
three miles. Yeah. And I had a buddy of mine who I work with, with music texting me going, you doing okay? I'm like, yeah, I've got really bad heartburn. He goes, what mile are you on? And I was like, I don't know what it was. It was three or something. And it just happened to be like going right by his house. He brought me a bunch of Prevacid and like vitamin B12. He's like, got you covered, buddy. I know. It's just like a... He walks out and he's running with me and hands it to me and he goes, crush it, man. And, and, um, um, I had a bunch of fans that came out and high fived me in that, sh- in that race. And one of the things I thought was so cool was how we went, ran from one city to the next. We started oh, yeah. in Minneapolis and ran to St. Paul. Oh, wow. And I thought that was cool. And something really cool about that race and, and, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about it until that race is, you know, you got all these, you know, I don't know, 7,500, 10,000. I don't know how many people were in this race, but they're all from different walks of life and different political views and religious views. And we're all out there together crushing this thing. You know, there's, sure. there's people that are 90. There's people that are, you know, 18. You know, it's and it, it was just that was kind of the first race that I was looking around and and that thought dawned on me we're all doing this together and uh it was a very significant race for me yeah man no you're you're spot on i mean if exactly like you said i i had the thought too i think i ran five or six half marathons before i ran my first full and Uh to your point i was like man like i just i just don't know if i can run that far i don't know if i want to run that far and then you know after running a couple i mean i haven't had really i think i've run four full marathons like they hurt i mean i you know i haven't had like what i would label a ton of like awesome experiences (laughs) one of them went went well with my buddy travis in huntsville but they you know they're neat to test yourselves in, but exactly like you're saying, if you go to any half marathon or marathon in the country and stand at the finish line for an hour and watch the people that go through there, there is no rhyme or reason to any of it. Older, younger, you know, bigger, smaller. It's, it's all of them across the board. And there's, there's a very like, you know, team feeling in that like you're saying like we're doing this together and yeah. it's li- literally uh, the bigger the race the better as far as i'm concerned and as far as like being in the mass of people like it's probably what i love about running road races the most is being in a crowd of people and like it's so different than yeah. running by yourself in a in a in a good way especially when it's a race absolutely yeah yeah um, so what would you say would, you know, that's some of your favorite races. What do you have anything that you consider? That's just like a highlight of your, of your running career. Some things that stick out that you're just like, man, like that was, that was super, super special as far as, far as the run goes. Um, well, I, th- I think when I would in that particular race, when I would hit, you know, certain mile markers, I'd go holy crap, I just ran 15 miles. And then I'd get to 17. I'd be like, holy crap, I just ran 17 miles. And then, and so on and so forth. And, and, uh, it's funny how, you know, like mile 18 felt better than mile 13, you know, just weird stuff like that. I would notice, you know, it's like, man, I was really struggling in mile six and here I am doing 18 and I feel way better, you know? Mm -hmm. So weird things like that. I would take note of, um, 
I've got several buddies that are big trail runners that talk a lot about it. They, you know, some of some of my friends have run 50, 100 mile ultra races, which crazy. is just you know crazy is the <laughs> correct word. It's just hard to put your brain around it. But they, you know, they talk about it. How at mile twenty nine you, you might feel like you can't take another step, and then at mile forty two you just get this new wave of energy and you're like oh my gosh i can run forever and he's like it's just like that the whole way and you know their kind of advice from some of it is if you feel really awful don't pay attention to it if Mm. you feel absolutely great don't pay attention to it because neither of them are gonna last like (laughs) it's just it's it's a ride either way but i'm i'm the same runner as you and the fact that like you know there's runners out there that are you know when they start feeling something like something doesn't feel right, like uh, I'll just deal with it later. I don't care if my leg falls off, I'll deal with it later. Yeah. I a little bit and more assess the situation. Like, if <laughs> yeah. some, like, you know, like if I got heartburn at mile three, I'm like, you know, I need something. I, yeah. I, I can't go any further. Yeah. Spence Smith, my buddy who was, what helped me to, to, he introduced me to fleet feet. He, uh, he always, told me and he still will text me before a race if he knows i'm running something he'll say just remember don't ever pass up a hydration station ever even if you're not even if you're not thirsty right don't pass one up he always told me that and i've never forgotten those little tidbits of advice from running buddies for sure man if you it's it's better to drink when you don't need it than get behind the eight ball to where you need it and you haven't drank enough leading up to it because a lot of times you just can't you can't reverse that right once you get kind of behind it with dehydration uh the train the train's coming at you down the tracks that's a great analogy for it um so you've already named a couple who's some other who's who's probably the most influential people when it comes to your your running that have uh helped you out with that man i've never really done an in-depth running interview so forgive me but it's it's kind of emotional for me because it's it this has become a very uh spiritual part of my life this whole thing is is just awesome and the community you know the running community is just absolutely awesome you know when you run into somebody on the other side of the nation and you you're in an airport and you get into a conversation you find out they're excited about running it's like the conversation never stops you know right. it just goes on but um I, I i'd love to mention these people spent smith is is one of my best friends he is uh, with compassion international um he's been one of the biggest influences on me in terms of running and and uh you know my shoes and great advice before races and um and then uh, Paul Peterson, who's a dear friend of mine uh, in Minneapolis, he he's a great uh, keeps me on my toes, you know. And we stay in touch and watch each other's runs on Strava. Uh, Davide Rosso, um, um, gosh, there's so many people. Scotty Emmerich, we we run Percy Warner three or four times a week when yeah. I'm home. Uh, that place totally kicks my butt. It's so hilly, you yeah. know, but. Uh, shout out to all those guys for, for holding me accountable and, and keeping me inspired as right. a runner. You got two boys, two sons that, uh, are, sounds like really good runners and that you get to run with sometimes as well. Right. Yeah. I I really feel old when I run with them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're super fast. I mean, they, they, uh, my, uh, oldest Justin, he's 17. He is a 
really great runner, super in shape. And uh, he ran, uh, they went to his cross country uh, team with Brentwood High this year. Uh, he's varsity. They went to state this year. Oh, man. And then exciting. Jackson, my youngest, he's 15. He ran uh, JV and varsity this year. And um, it's it's awesome to watch them run. They're, they're really dialed in runners, very right. fast, very in shape. And, um, they're really passionate about it too. So that's, oh, it's awesome. When I go run with them, I just, I finally, you know, I can tell they're trying to be nice, but I'll, I'll just say, Hey guys, y'all do your thing. You know, you don't <laughs> worry about me. I'm going to be okay. Thanks for this courtesy for a <laughs> yeah. smile. You guys have a good yeah, run. Exactly. Yeah. And then my wife, uh, was a big runner growing up too. So, I mean, we're a running family and we're very passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, man. Awesome to do it with the people you care the most about. Yeah. Uh, what has running taught you, Ryan? Gosh, what has running taught me? Uh, man, that is a great question. Um, it's taught me discipline. Um, you know, uh, if I don't, if that's, if I don't stay on top of that and keep that as part of my life, uh, I, I, I can, I know what the, uh, what the implications of that are going to, going to be, you know, right. it's, it's a, it's a great gift. And, uh, but I have to, to, to stay, uh, I have to keep myself, uh, uh, regular, you know, I have to stay at it and, mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's, it's taught me discipline. Um, and it's taught me that, um, really it's just another lesson in life. It, it's taught me that I can really do something yeah. that I thought I couldn't do at one point for sure. I can really do it, you know, and it's a, it's kind of a confidence it's a healthy confidence that I have that, uh, I can always go out and run, you mm -hmm. know, as long as my feet are working and my legs are working, it's always something I can always go out and do to, to turn the day around. Right. Yeah. No, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. We're running is a gift. It doesn't mean every single run you ever do is going to feel like a gift, but right. <laughs> you know, we, uh, when we're able to do it, uh, it's, it's man, there's just so many things about it. I, I like what you just said. If you ever meet a runner, then like you can pretty much talk to them all day because you know, most of us love to talk about it. Hence me creating a podcast so, yeah, yeah. so I can just talk yeah. to people that I, you know, want to get to know better and, and talk about running. It's a, uh, yeah. it's, uh, a win-win for me. I think that's awesome that, that your brother, you know, got that started for you and that it's, you know, clearly become a big part of your life. And it's, you know, uh, you know, a big part of your family's life too. That's a, uh, it's neat that running has really just been such a massive plus for, totally. for you and your family. Life-changing thing. Yeah. Totally. Let's, let's talk a little bit about being a musician. If you, if you're okay with that, yeah. uh, you grew up in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. How long were you in Oklahoma? Um, I've lived here more than longer than I lived in Oklahoma. I, I graduated, uh, and then moved directly here. So okay. I've been here since I was 18. Um, and I moved here in 92. I just gave my age away. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, actually, I moved here the same year that I graduated, uh, 1992. Uh, so I've I've lived here about 28 years now. Uh, so yeah. And you ha you have a musical family. Mm -hmm. Your fa family is musical. And then was it Nashville? Was music the reason? That's why you came from from Oklahoma to Nashville with with music in your sights. Yeah, that's exact. That's why I came here. Right. Uh, I wanted to be. Um, I I kind of was. Uh, I was. I've always been a drummer. And that was kind of my 
plan B, I guess. I, probably not a lot of people's plan B, but uh, if the artist thing didn't work out, you know, I was really passionate about writing songs and I, and, and I loved playing drums. So that was, you know, I kind of had those things I came to town right. with. Nashville, was it any different in 92 than it is today? <laughs> Very different. Yeah, it was uh, much more of a kind of a, a small town, sleepy town sort of. It wasn't, I mean, it was still great nashville but it was right. it was just it's grown so much now oh, for sure and the music business is so different now it's it's just a different whole different uh a whole different dynamic now yeah so were you writing songs in in uh as a kid in oklahoma like i, sound, I know you were a drummer that's not like you were yeah that's what you were doing music with, but you were already writing songs doing both yeah i was trying to write songs yeah there was a not not a big songwriting community around me growing up and so I was kind of flying blind and, and, and just trying to learn from people that I, that I, that I admired. Right. Um, but oddly enough, the two, my, my mom, um, uh, at the time, my mom was a musician, but she also worked part time at a studio in, in Nash, in uh, Oklahoma city. And she, uh, got me a, my first couple of little singing jobs that I had was, uh, you know, remember back on the karaoke tapes, like cassettes, like there was a reference vocal on one side and then it was an instrumental on the other side of right, the same yeah. song. So I got a, a, a few jobs through my mom doing that. Okay. So I would sing those vocals and they, and they were, most of the jobs I got were top 40 country and I knew what was going on at the time. So I knew all those songs. I right. didn't need a lyric. I knew them. And I asked my mom if, if I could trade, trade a couple of those checks for those things to to actually cut a couple of my things right and they were cool with it so we i just kind of ate, ate my check on a couple of them and we cut two songs that i had written and they weren't great songs but you know you got to start somewhere sure and, and those were the actual those demos were the very thing that actually got me in the door in nashville oh wow yeah so at, long story short a uh, a gentleman by the name of Billy Joe Walker Jr., who's a who was a really renowned session guitar player, uh, he was connected and really good friends with a guy that knew my dad in Oklahoma City, and he called me one day saying, "Hey, this guy named Billy is looking for uh, some new acts to produce," and I sent him those demos, and he called me, and I was seventeen. And long story short, it, it that's was kind of my my entryway to to Nashville and getting connected. So Man, yeah. crazy. Super cool. Who was uh, who was some of your musical influences growing up? Who who you're listening to like junior high, high school? Yeah, um, man, there's so many of them. But I'll I'll give you uh, some of the top tier folks for me. First, my parents were big big influences on me. Um, a guy named Steve Warner uh, was my all time hero. He was the guy that had everything. He played great. He he uh, was a great guitar player, great songwriter. But his singing is is really what you know what made me on fire as a as a 14 15 year old kid i heard his voice and and he he became that sort of that mentor for how i wanted my voice to sound and he was uh, best way to describe him he was kind of my glenn campbell what oh, what yeah. what people's glenn campbell you know mm -hmm. I, I don't know i'm not explaining it right but he, well, people, the generation before had Glenn Campbell. Steve was kind of my Glenn Campbell because gotcha. he, he was sort of a triple threat. He did everything. And so 
<clears throat> I just idolized him and he's still, still my hero. Um, and then there were guys like obviously Vance Gill, uh, Ronnie Millsap, Ricky Skaggs. Um, and then I had a lot of, a lot of great, uh, pop and rock singers that I loved. I love Brian Adams and Michael McDonald. And, and I even loved Nat King Cole a lot. Um, people that were really great. You know, I loved all the crooners, but I also loved great, you know, pop singers and, people that were really great vocalists you know yeah. there's there's so many of them you know michael mcdonald's sweet freedom is literally one oh, of my yeah. favorite songs of all time the dj at our wedding announced hey i'm gonna play uh drew's favorite song right now and a couple of people are like michael <laughs> yeah. mcdonald i was like just yeah. wait for the chorus yeah. it's brilliant yeah uh but yeah well, those are some some great artists so did you did you know early on that you wanted to be a country singer like i mean like did you have like at least you know, dreams about it when you were even like, you know, younger? I think I started sort of, you know, uh, really thinking about it and kind of, uh, romanticizing it and, and fantasizing about being a, a country singer sometime in that 13, 14 year old range best I can remember. Um, you know, I always loved country music and uh, my dad was was such a huge country fan, and I I, I got so much by just being around him. Um, it, but I think it it it's you know you talk about little defining moments and pinnacles and and turning points. Um, I really think that when I heard Steve Warner's voice uh, and his music, that was really kind of a turning point. Everything just kind of became clear to me at that point, and I th- I think it was. 15 maybe i think it was like 1989 um relatively late you know that's like i'm not one of those kids that well i've always wanted to be a singer since i was five i I really wasn't that that guy it kind of dawned on me kind of later in my teens but when it hit me it was very very powerful i mean i knew right then this is what i'm gonna go do man awesome so how long how long was it from when you arrived in nashville to getting kind of your first couple of breaks that you know got things going in the right direction yeah um well uh i think it was uh, i started kind of doing pre-production and uh looking for songs and writing songs for my first record in 94 and i moved there in 92 so um i think it was about a year uh a year or so after moving to town that I uh, was fortunate enough to meet uh, some people that um, sort of uh, plugged me into getting my first record deal. And then um, there was another camp of people that uh, took a shine to me and and, um, uh, signed me to a a publishing deal. And Glenn Campbell, I, I mentioned Glenn earlier but glenn was had a publishing company here in town at that time it was was called glenn campbell music and um he heard my voice and uh you know one thing led to another and they they brought me on as a writer and you know i can say this now but i i i had I, i didn't know a lot about writing songs i i they they really took some serious risks and bringing me on but i think they saw it as a twofold thing you know but um that was such a a big deal at the time a because it was 
I was going to actually be able to pay my rent. It wasn't a, a huge Important. draw, but it was enough to kind of keep me afloat because I was singing demos for other songwriters too and kind of doing all that to make a living too. But um, it helped me so much because it gave me the opportunity to go write with so many people from legendary songwriters to new writers to and then to people that were in my, in my boat. Um, and I learned so much. It was just such a... Uh, a great experience of just learning how to learning the craft of writing songs. So I would say that that was probably what I consider kind of one of my first big breaks was signing yeah. a publishing or publishing deal. Sure. You, you've won a lot of awards. You've really had a very successful music career. Now looking back on it in hindsight, kind of like looking back on some of your running highlights, what, what's, what's your favorite parts now of, of being a musician that you've had a long enough career to be able to kind of look and reflect on it? Oh, maybe like a highlight, yeah. Something that's, um, well, um, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's there's a a couple. Um, uh, I remember I I won uh, the first award I ever won was an ACM award. I when I start thinking and reflecting, if you'll notice, like I start looking off into a corner. (laughs) That's part of the allure. If I stop running the six one five, right? That's okay. (laughs) That means we're doing right. We're doing good. Yeah, look off somewhere. But I won my first ACM award uh, in 96, and um, it was before cell phones. And I remember calling uh, my family, and my dad was one of the people I called a call from a payphone. The, the label was throwing a party at some restaurant in L.A., and I went to a payphone. I, I don't even know if I would know how to call somebody from a payphone. Yeah, I don't know anybody's now. number. Yeah. I must have used a calling card or something, but... I remember that being a highlight. I mean, not that the award wasn't a highlight, but I think it was just that moment of being able to call my family and, and hear them give me that affirmation and, and, and their excitement. And, you know, they were congratulatory. And I think it just that moment, I, I was like, man, I made my family proud. And not oh, that they sure. weren't proud of me, but, you know, I was a kid and you you feel like you got to earn that. Sure. And uh, so I think that was really a highlight for me. The the award, of course, but but just just hearing their uh, affirmation on the on the line, you know, kind of like awesome. they won the award with you as well. Totally. Yeah, totally. That's super yeah. cool. Have you had some uh, some you know, highlights that you can, that you can recall of just being on stage and, and performing that you're just like, can look back on and be like, wow, yeah. like being in on this stage in this time is super cool. Yeah. Um, you hear people talk about it like an out of body experience, you know, when you win an award or if you get to share the stage with somebody that you grew up listening to, it really is that way. It's, it's like a, you feel kind of like you're, humming and buzzing and you're kind of levitating a little bit, you know, um, I'll just give you a couple. Um, I got the great fortune of being the opening act for Vince Gill's big tour in 97. And we did, I don't know how many shows together. We, we literally toured the entire nation and every night, um, that was the highlight of the night for me was getting to go out and sing a song with Vince. Uh, it, it was like usually the second or third song to the end of his show. It was usually Liza Jane. I'd come out and sing Liza Jane with him and, you know, just stuff like that. Just Super him looking cool. at you when it's, when it's time for your verse. And, you know, it, it was just such a great experience. I got to do a show one time, only one show I ever did that I'm aware of. 
uh, with Merle Haggard. I did a show with him in Dayton, Ohio, and I got to sing uh, got to sing Oki from Muskogee with, wow. with Merle. And then uh, recently, um, uh, t- I guess it's been two Novembers ago, three Novembers ago, no, two Novembers ago, uh, Carrie Underwood did my podcast, and uh, she's been a friend for a long time, her and her husband, and um, she she kind of she said, yeah, I'd love to do the, do the podcast, but I'm not going to do it unless you sing sing something with me. Oh, and it, she just happened to be you know at the Opry where where we did the episode, and. We, we uh, I said, well, what song do you want to sing? She goes, I want to sing uh, "Not Supposed to Love You Anymore," and so we did that one together, and and uh, that was a great highlight to me too. Um, you know, just to uh, I know she was a, an admirer of of my music growing up, and so again, it was just one of those another one of those sort of affirming moments that wow, it's really neat to know that your music's made an impact on people, and 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 that was kind of the. Uh, the uh, culmination of that watching that sort of happen right there was was kind of yeah. a, she even talked about it being a full circle moment for her so it was a wow so there's you know three highlights out of out of many that's but, so cool man so if you ever invited me on your podcast to sing with you ryan it would be the end of your <laughs> podcast it would that would be it that would no you would never have anyone listen ever again i love music i, I think about it all you know, the time we could do but, a running we could run on my okay, podcast there we go. we'll Let's, just put uh, some lapel mics on we'll and run. go run around percy warner and shoot like the breeze a, a, i assure you people would like to hear that <laughs> more than hear that yeah. more, more than singing <laughs> that's super cool brian mm. I, i'm really you know uh you know enjoy talking to you about that and it's it's neat that you've you know had the kind of success that you've had and it's neat to hear that you know again that the running part has been uh, you even said you've gotten to do some runs with people in cities while you're while you're touring and like made running a part of whatever you know that particular city might be that you're touring and that's that's neat that those worlds have you know combined like that yeah i think it's neat because you're always sort of forward thinking you know you're you know like and like you said when even when you land somewhere in a city and somebody picks you up at the airport and you're totally jet lagged and you're wiped out somehow we've all all of us as runners have got a little bit of a reserve in us where Mm -hmm. we can still run even though we're totally wiped out because we know what the what the reward of it's going to be for sure um Metallica's drummer Lars Ulrich. I know. I I was so thinking about the he, same thing you're thinking. He does it, that every time he lands he somewhere. Does. He does. He sometimes he <clears> will <throat> he will run pre-show, and he said one of the neat things about when he does his pre-show runs is he will like run past people tailgating for a Metallica concert, like playing music, and he'll run <laughs> right past them, and they don't even they don't they don't recognize them, and he just runs past them. But like to your point, like he uses it to kind of get like a buzz going, like being. In the city and like getting a feel for the city and doing it. So yeah. I thought you being a drummer, you 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 might you might know that's that. That's so cool. weird you brought that up because I I probably maybe not the same article, but I have read an article where he talks about that. So mm-hmm. good mind nineteen not nineteen seventy four coming in strong right there. <laughs> good brains. Um, so you know uh, as as a performing artist, uh, twenty twenty I'm sure has been interesting to to say the least. Is there you know. Uh, it, it seems like things are, are you know, going to get better with uh, COVID-19 and hopefully vaccines helping. And then we're all able to go see shows again and you get to perform again. What What's mm-hmm. 2020 been like with that kind of just being off the table for the most part? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I, well, I have to say that it, it was really a bummer. Uh, it's almost like I can't say anything 
because everybody else experienced the same thing. But as a musician, uh, so much of my community was was just, you know, devastated because, you know, you know, when you're self-employed and your gigs, your shows and stuff start going away, it's it's kind of scary, you know, so because sure. that's your livelihood. And um, but there were a lot of really great things that came out of it. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of musicians that are maybe listening would attest to this, too. It, it pushed us out of our comfort zone, but it helped us in a lot of ways. You know, I, I, for instance, I did a lot of things that I'd never even really thought about doing. Um, I just kind of offered services in the in the in the arena of of you know I, I play guitar, I play drums, you know I have a studio, and I just had this idea one day. I was like, I'm just going to start asking people if they want me to play on things or sing on things, and you know, all of a sudden I start getting just you know emails, out a so, yeah, bit. emails yeah. to hey, can you play acoustic guitar on this, and um, or can you play drums, and and it it was really fun and and um it it was a a great way to uh to keep playing music and you know uh help me to keep exercising that muscle um it kind of made me uh um it, it made me grateful not that i wasn't grateful before but man it just really amplified that for me it's like you know i was just so grateful um f- for when when I started booking things again, I just, I think I was just way more grateful. Sure, I was like, wow, thank it. you so much. Yeah. Yes. I'm, my bags are packed. I'll be there tomorrow. You know, uh, I was just really grateful, uh, for what I have and, um, really grateful that, uh, God sustained us through that period. And, um, it also made me grateful for my family. Um, it, it, it forced us to be a get together a lot more, mm-hmm. Uh, we did a lot more together. Um, they were out of school for so long before they went back, our kids. And so after we were had that initial excitement of, oh, we're all off, we're just going to have a big, long school day or a school month uh, uh, or, or snow snow day or snow month or whatever, so to speak. And, and then af- after a while, then we're like, we had to start going, well, we're going to have to come up with something to do here. You know, I mean, obviously right. I had running, but being a parent you know sometimes it's you know when you get in those scenarios it's like that it's like we we had to figure out like well, all right we're gonna have to go do something we, we're gonna have to go <laughs> let's go hike or let's go out and go drive to another city or something and we just had to start you know figuring out things to do but um get creative yeah yeah i've kind of rambled on this answer a little bit but it's good man it, no, it, it's it was, 2020 it was, has been you know yeah. probably the craziest year we will ever live but yeah it's it's you know it's neat with the profession that you have that you were able to branch out and, and do some different things and you know maybe you would have never done that ever if you had not been put I in know. that uh, one of the other things too i i did started doing these uh vip little meet and greet semi you know kind of small concert kind of things uh via zoom i did oh yeah uh, and i still do those a little bit but um during that time i did a bunch of those and they were really fun and i kind of did them myself i didn't like hire a camera crew or anything i just had my laptop and my guitar and then just started doing some of those kind of things and um you know just it, it you would have never thought about any of that kind of stuff sure. uh, beforehand you 2020 know? the year of zoom and the year of peloton uh, <laughs> yeah. both of those 
have, if we could have just come up with the idea of Zoom prior to, you know, we, you and I would we'd be, be in this. Yes, we'd, we'd be in just, Tahiti all, somewhere. All we'd, all we'd have know? to do is just worry about <laughs> what time we're running at Percy Warner each day. Yeah, That's yeah, basically exactly. got us covered. Um, so you're a country music artist. This question, what is the most Nashville thing about you? We'll just we'll skip past the, the fact that you're a country artist. Anything else about you that just feels really Nashville? Oh, gosh. Um I love my coffee, man. I, I'm, I don't know if that's necessarily Nashville, but, uh, you know, I've, I, I love, I love all the coffee hangs in Nashville. Oh, 12, yeah, 12, 12th Avenue, uh, uh, 12th South is, is so awesome. You know, you got, you know, and then around the Belmont area, you got so many great little hangs and, um, and then in, in, uh, Brentwood where I live, there's a bunch of cool places. I, I love, I, that's kind of a thing here is, uh, getting together for coffee hangs and, and, um, that may not be uncommon anywhere else, but that's, I guess that's Nashville. That, no, you're right, man. Nashville's got some unique spots for that. Some yeah. Good ones. 12 South is, is when you want to reconnect place. with somebody or, or, or have a little, you know, business chat with somebody or whatever. It's, it's, that's usually the thing. And frothy there's so monkey. many cool places. Yeah, oh, yeah. Frothy monkey yeah. and white bison which i love and i love bongo java and all those places are so cool awesome is there anything about you that you feel is not nashville like what's the least nashville thing about you wow um i guess if if uh gosh i don't know if there's anything not nashville about me i'm pretty nashville you i've lived been here, here 28 years 28 now. years yeah no doubt being an, an oaky i always say once an oaky always an oaky i would say the one thing that's been hard to to uh, take out of me is not not only the oaky part, but I I love I feel at home still when I see clearings, you know, really wide open spaces. Oh yeah, and um, there are some places like that in, in Tennessee, but they're because they've been carved out, you know. Mm-hmm. But but Oklahoma, I still love those far off. You know, I love to be able to see forever. That's what I love about Montana and For sure. and Wyoming. I just that's something that's just in me, and, yeah. and it'll always be that way. Man, so that's a great answer. Uh, you already said a little bit. Who are some of your influences? Do you have any kind of favorite musical artist or bands? You know, these days that you just consider like, golly, I love that band. Yeah, man, I I can't say enough about this guy. I'm sure he probably thinks I'm a stalker because I I love his music so much. Uh, I'm a huge, huge Ben Rector fan. Oh yeah, and I have the most the weirdest. Is he a Nashville guy? He is. Yeah, yeah. So I thought. Then I have the weirdest story of how I found out about him. I work sometimes with this guitar player named Corey Wong, really super talented guy that I know from Minneapolis. And he has played some shows with me, played on some of my records, such a, such a great human being to be around. So funny and great, super talented guy. And, um, I saw on some of his socials, uh, right after I first met him that he, he worked a lot with Ben and, and then I have a lot of friends in the industry, you know, and I would just hear Ben's name every now and then. And I'd see him on a gig with somebody that I knew or um, and one day I just looked up his music and started kind of diving into what he did. And I stumbled onto his latest record, uh, Magic, about a year ago, two years ago. And it just it just hit me over the head. It was just so great. And I at that time, I was really looking for for just something great again because mm-hmm. I I just when you've been doing it as long as I have you do have an, a part of you that's a little jaded you know it, it takes a lot to get get you excited sure um, 
and I'm a tough critic, you know, I've just, I just, I have a, the bar is high, I guess, just because I know what's great. You know, at least I feel like I know what's great. And I, I heard his music and I was just like, this is so great. Such a great, compelling vocalist, great keyboard player, writes great idea songs, songs that make you think about your your life. They remind you of your, your childhood. They make you grateful for the woman that you've got in your life, all these different things. And, and they're so fresh sound and they've got a little hint of the eighties, you oh, know, man. and they've yeah. got, but they're still fresh at the same time. So he's, he's one of my favorite artists. I love Sweet. Ben. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good. Good reflection too, especially with your knowledge about music. Uh, what are, do you have any like favorite concerts that you've seen in Nashville that you were just out, out, uh, uh, watching? I had an opportunity, um, one of my best friends, uh, I'll give him a shout out because I think he's a, he's awesome and he's one of my best friends. His name is Paul Sadoti. He is uh, he is a, an electric guitar player, singer, and he plays with Taylor Swift, and he has for a long time, a uh, better part of a decade, I believe. And he uh, invited us to a show here at Bridgestone, and uh, my wife and I went and we took a, a friend of ours, an artist that I was producing at the time who was going to Belmont, who was a ginormous Taylor Swift fan. So we went to that show. It was an awesome show. I also saw um, saw Garth Brooks there uh, uh, four or five years ago, and it was awesome. Um, I saw Eric Clapton there. That is uh, That was a pretty epic show. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Legend. Uh, yeah. Probably my favorite show that I've ever seen, I saw Erica, my wife and I, we weren't married at the time. I took her to see Aerosmith in 1998 in Oklahoma City oh, wow. over the holidays. And that was just about the most killer show I've ever seen. Yes. Sounded phenomenal, and the entertainment value was just ridiculous. Oh, man, that's cool. So, do, you, do you have any that you would label your favorite show that you've done as a performer? Gosh, favorite show that I've done. Um, the beginning of a tour is always scary because you don't know yet what's going to work in the show. Mm -hmm. That's why I always say, if you can catch a tour, catch it when it's a little ways down the road because they've had a... Don't be opening night. Yeah. You, right. So, But if there was ever a... I don't know, maybe from the, from the epic standpoint... One of the biggest shows that I was ever able to do, I did a a, a tour with uh, Leanne Rhymes in '98, and we did about 120 shows together. And the opening night was a sellout show at the Target Center in Minneapolis, oh, and it was like 15 plus. Yeah. And uh, although I, 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 when I listen to that show, there's a lot of things from my perspective that I leave. It, it, there's a lot to be. Uh, well, however you say it, a lot left to be desired. You you know? That was it. Because yeah. we were still trying to home in on what, what the show was going to be. Uh, but that's a show I remember. Yeah. You know, I remember it very well, um, even the mistakes. But it was still a great a great experience. And uh, I, look, I still look back and think about that show a lot. Man, super cool. Yeah. 
Well, let's do this, Brian. Let's move into running the 615 speed sessions. This is uh, a lot of questions in a small <clears throat> amount of time. There are no wrong answers, so nothing to be <laughs> nervous about, but they're a little bit all over the place, much like 2020. So perfect <laughs> yeah. segue for this. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, running that we we both, your your sons are really fast runners. We, we are not, but we talked about what, what it's like to run a fast mile. Do you know what the fastest mile you've ever run is? It's usually in the beginning of the run, you know, it's like, it's usually mile one or whatever yeah, race. Mile one, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say on record, the best I can remember is maybe like eight fifteen. Yeah. And that's not like trying to blow the doors off. I'm just, that's just my start out, but I'd say probably eight fifteen yeah. something like that. Well, you can have longer than eight fifteen on speed one session on speed sessions <laughs> if you need it. So here we go. Quick questions. Uh, would you rather run on the trails, the roads or a track? Uh, the roads All any right. day, early bird or night owl. Always a night owl. Yep. Same breakfast, lunch or dinner. Hmm. I celebrate all I'm of them myself. I'm supposed to be yeah. answering these fast. All Sorry. Right. I'm going to say dinner. Okay. Favorite Nashville restaurant? Puckets. Oh, yes. Uh, coffee, tea, soda, water, or alcohol? You can have two. What are you going? Coffee. Said that. Coffee. I'm going to say coffee and tea. All right. Sweet. Sweet tea. There you go. Uh, <laughs> dogs or cats? Uh, dogs. All right. Never had anyone answer cats on this podcast. Keep the streaking alive at 22 <laughs> dog answers in a row. Uh, talker or listener? Uh, I'd like to thank a listener. Okay. Would you rather go to the beach or go to the mountains? Beach. Is there anything that annoys you? Oh, wow. Maybe more. There's maybe more than one thing. But you know what annoys me, Drew? Yeah. Here's one of the things that annoys me. A blower. A leaf blower. Oh, really? Like someone using their leaf blower constantly? Yeah, it's it's not them. I have nothing against them. It's the sound <laughs> it's, of it. It's not and, the and neighbor it's, specifically. Yeah, it's. I hear there is no given moment that I don't step out the door in my house of my house and I hear a random blower going oh, yeah, on yeah. all so, no, times I'll, of the year. Yeah, lawn so, crews yeah. have their designated leaf blower that's yeah. pretty much doing that all day. Good call. That is original <laughs> and a running the 615 first. Uh, how about this? What is something that is not good for you, but you do it anyway? Gosh. Um, uh, when I'm editing or working in the studio, I just I always want to be drinking coffee. Even in the wee hours, it's just kind of a comfort thing, I think. Right. And I know it's not good for me because it's gonna, it's gonna have, uh, you know, it's gonna reap benefits on me, pay dividends when I'm trying to sleep later. Right. Um, but I still drink coffee all the time. Coffee is a theme for you in this podcast. Good work, Brian. You're a fan <laughs> of it. Uh, is there something that you wish you did more of? Oh wow. Um, some of these are deep. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, 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 every I time I, I do this. I did more serendipitous type of things. Just drop what you're doing. Hey, all, let's just jump in the car and let's go to, you know, let's go to Indiana tomorrow. Oh, you know? man. Good answer. That's awesome. Would you rather have cookie or candy? Cookie. Same. What's your favorite sports team or teams? The Oklahoma Sooners. Number one. Um, do you have a favorite vacation spot you've been to or a dream vacation spot oh wow dream vacation favorite vacation spot um 
I'm going to say the San Destin area, which is basically next to Destin. Right. We've been going there for about 15 years, so I'd say that's our awesome favorite. Pocket. Yep, for sure. Um, what actor should play you in a movie? Oh, wow. Gosh. That is such a great question. I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Anyone um, ever said, hey, this, this, would be, this would be a good actor? Man. Gosh. I used to get Michael J. Fox all a lot of, when I was younger, but if I had the choice, yeah. Since since I, I I think he's awesome, I'd, I'd just say Michael McConaughey. Okay, Matthew Boom. McConaughey. Let me start that. Michael over J. For the Fox edit. is who you've is who's people said, but you would be Matthew McConaughey. I'd say Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Complete, all right. All right. All right. Oh, he's good. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, do you have a favorite TV show or movie of all time? Favorite TV show or movie of all time. Um, I, I love underdog stories, um, kind of a rising up kind of a thing. So I'm I'm gonna have to can I say two? Yeah. I'm gonna say uh I love Rocky. I love that movie. I love that character, what it's all about. Um, but in terms of something, maybe something a little more current, I I love Cinderella Man too. It's a yeah. lot of the same themes, but yeah. um those are some of my favorites. Awesome. There. Uh, where is your, what's your perfect Nashville run? Where are you running? Uh, where is it? Who are you running with? My fur, my, my perfect Nashville run. Um, I love the Brentwood loop. It's, uh, six miles where around where like granny white park is in the middle of it. And you're around Brentwood high school and you're on Franklin road. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You run past the fire station and the police station and, and, uh, and then you, you, Go down. I usually go down Franklin, you know, past Starbucks and you know downtown Brentwood, and then turn left on Maryland Way or Church Street there, and mm-hmm. go down to Granny White, and kind of, it's 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 just the perfect run. Uh, I always feel like I'm mentally capable of doing it, and it's it's just a, the right distance for me to kind of get all sure. the bugs out and, and get that buzz going. You know? The coolest thing about that run is it is a great run. In, in my Fleet Feet Brentwood days, I've run that route many <laughs> yeah. times. Many, many people run that route and they all have different starting and stopping points on it. Like there's, you know, there's so many people that run it, but they all start and finish different places. Right. Yeah. It's just a, it's a big square. And I know all the little, if I feel like I've got a little more in me, I know these little thing, little play. I I know the turn I can make if I want to tack on another mile. I know, you know, you know, you kind of got the. All these if different you're feeling in, it, inversions you can, you, of it, yeah, yeah, man, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, do you? What do you think is the best way to recover after a long run or a difficult run? Hmm. Uh, I usually just pump a, a, a good bunch of water. Um, sometimes I'll take a bath and and then I'll ice my knees. Right. Um, I don't deal with much fasciitis. Uh, I did in the beginning of my running, but I don't usually have to do much to my feet. It's usually my knees. Gotcha. Um, is there anything that you were afraid of, Ryan? Wow. Is there anything I'm, I'm going to have to go with wasps. Wasps. Not I a fan. hate wasps. Yeah. My wife makes fun of me cause I will literally walk into a wall. I, I will, you know, I, they make me do crazy things. You know, I hate <laughs> Get them. away from me. Wasps. You'll run <laughs> yeah. through a wall. Uh, do you listen to music or no music when you run? Um, uh, I used to, when I started out, I thought I had to listen to stuff like, you know, whatever, 
the eye of the tiger type things. And, and a friend of mine, Shane Putty, who I totally forgot to mention, Shane Putty is another one of my big, um, running, big, big running influences. So we've run several races together and, um, he told me one day, he's like, man, I can't listen to fast music, you know, up-tempo music when I'm running. I, he, he listens to more chill type stuff, and I tried that, and it stuck. Yeah. So I'm usually listening to instrumental music, you know. I listen to, you know, people like Brent Mason and and uh, uh, Tommy Emanuel and things like that, you know. Just get players. in a groove, yeah, and and podcasts. I can do podcasts when I'm when I'm running too. But uh, I'd say more times than not, I don't listen to anything. Yeah, because sometimes I don't know. I want to clear, clear your head. Having things in my ears when I'm running kind of bugs me, mm-hmm. and having you know just something. I I, I I almost would rather just listen to the, my surroundings than anything. Yeah. You know? What about a watch? <clears throat> Always wear a watch when you run. I haven't, I'm not on board with that yet, but everybody, I have a lot of friends that are constantly pushing that. Should I get into that? Team Garmin. Yeah, man. It's, it's, they're so good now. I mean, they've, you know, they, GPS just continues to get better and better with what they can, you know, with what all you can get just from your wrist by hit a button five seconds later, you're running, hit the button again when you stop. And then like 10 seconds later, the whole workout shows up on your phone. I need to get on yeah. board with that. Man. It's uh, it's 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 worth it, and I, I feel like you'd like it. Uh, what is the best part of living in Nashville? Uh, well, you get you get you can have the country in ten minutes, and you can have the city in ten minutes. You you kind of got it's beautiful. Um, it's a great place to raise kids. Um, the school systems are amazing. Um, you got music. You got all kinds of music you can step into any random venue downtown and hear a show on any day um you there's just you there's if you want to uh chase an entrepreneurial dream this is a great place to be it's a great hub for that for sure uh and music too um there there uh there are so many great things here. This is such a great city to live in. You know, you've got so many great vineyards. If you're a, a wine sewer, you know, you can do that kind of a thing. Um, you got Lynchburg, that which is a beautiful city there, and you got the Jack Daniels tour. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much stuff to do. If you're a if you're a bike rider, the Natchez Trace is just such an awesome trail to you know awesome road to to ride i mean gosh i could go on yeah i think they're gonna play that answer over the pa at the nashville international airport (laughs) from going on it's the best it's the best answer we've had to date that's for sure um what is something you want to do before you leave this earth Mm. wow well i i i I didn't think i would ever run a marathon that's that's one of them uh, that i never thought i'd do that i did um, that might be it. You've, you've already done it. That is a really hard question, Drew. Something I want to do before I leave this earth. How about this? What, what, we'll shift it. What makes you happy? Oh man, the outdoors. Yep. The outdoors. I'm, uh, I know a lot of people aren't you know, that they're not into this world, but I, I love fishing. I love hunting. I love, I love being out and about, I love running, uh, anything to do with the outdoors, uh, is my soul. Uh, right. if I can't do those things, if I can't run, if I can't go fishing and, you know, be out, uh, I'm, I'm dead. Right. So <laughs> there you go. 
awesome answer. Is there any misconceptions about you? Oh, wow. I think maybe, um, I think, uh, because of the style of music that, that I have, I've always kind of had a little bit more of a contemporary sound, uh, within, within country music that I think I get, I get this a lot, man. I didn't, I didn't ever, I didn't ever, uh, pin you for an outdoorsman. Oh, wow. You know, um, I think that's kind of throws people sometimes, you know, I guess maybe. Yeah. No, that, well, but you just previous answer proof. You not only are you an outdoorsman, you love it. It's one of your favorite things. Yeah. What is your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday is by far Christmas um, with, with Thanksgiving running a close second. Yeah. Awesome. Um, do you have a favorite book or a favorite quote? Oh gosh. Uh, I have a, I have both. Uh, my favorite book thus far is a song. Is a, is a song. My favorite book <laughs> is a is a is a song called. Now, God, I need I need a little more coffee. Uh, oh, it's a book uh, by Timothy Egan. It's it's called The Worst Hard Time. It takes a lot for me to get excited about a book because I'm not really a big reader. But this book was about my home of Oklahoma, and it's a story about the. Uh, people during the dust bowl that decided to stick it out and not migrate west and then and i when it hit me that i'm a result i'm i'm here because somebody stayed in oklahoma and right. stuck it out that uh, was really inspiring to me that's and it's, and it's cool. called the worst hard time uh that's probably my favorite book uh my favorite quote is a uh, one of my favorite quotes is dr seuss quote it's a uh, don't don't cry because it's over smile because it happened yes oh man yeah. really good um what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self if mm. you got to go say Gosh. a word of advice to brian in oklahoma yeah i think that's pretty easy i'd just say man don't sweat the small stuff it's not nearly as big of a deal as you think it is yeah awesome uh do you have a favorite race distance like if you could pick like a a certain distance that's just your favorite to race what is it man i'd probably have to go with the six miler that's pretty that's your sweet spot pretty, yeah that's kind of my sweet spot i mean yep. when i push past that for a seven or eight you know i i can tell i've got a little more fatigue on me but something about that six mile is right is, where, yeah. feels good yeah no doubt would you rather run in the hot or the cold cold any day yep same uh hug high five or fist bump <laughs> uh i'm always gonna i'm always gonna vote for the hug i i know we're we're still in covid world but i'm i'm uh i love I'm the a hug hugger. is gonna yeah. have a huge comeback in 2021 i yeah. think that's a great answer what is the purpose of life to you brian man well uh when we leave here we can't take any of it with us so i think it's about how how did we treat others how did we how did we give back, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and did I, did I point to my father in heaven with everything that I did? You know, did I, did I point to him and in, in all the things I did? Uh, that, that's really the, and, uh, you know, the point of it all is, you know, he created me to, uh, for a reason. And, and, uh, I, I want to, when I leave, I, I hope that there's enough evidence of, uh, that I did that while I was here for sure. 
No doubt. Well, I appreciate you joining us, Brian. You got a great story, uh, both on the running and and certainly the country music side. Um, Christy Beth from Fleet Feet Nashville was the one that kind of linked us together. She she knew you'd be a great guest, which which you have been. Um, Man, I hate to interrupt. I I want to say something about Christy Beth too, but she she has just been incredible. Uh, I'm. I'm so inspired by her. She's such a beast. Uh, what a, an incredible athlete with a great story too. But she's been so so awesome to my family. And and I also have to give a shout shout out to to David at Fleet Feet Brent, in in Brentwood where I am. He he's just such a great dude and mm-hmm. and ha, just has gone out of his way for my kids when they come in there to get spikes. Um, and uh, just the whole team is just amazing. So but big, big kudos to them. And, and thank you again to, to Christy Beth. So. No doubt, man. No, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I, I, I eat lunch with David sometimes and like to catch up with him. He'll be a guest on, on running the six one five. He's awesome. just, uh, uh, man, he, he really, uh, loves life and, and, uh, makes other people love it more because they know him. He's great, man. Yeah. But yeah, Brian, thanks. Thanks for being on this podcast. Too, I, I'm, I'm excited to let other people listen to the interview and, um, yeah, man, glad that running is, is really been so prevalent in your, in your life. And it sounds like, uh, for many years to come too. So appreciate you telling us all about it, man. I appreciate you having me. This has been so much fun. And, uh, like I said, I haven't, gotten a chance to really do a ton of interviews uh in this vein you know to being able to talk about running which is a a passion of mine so thanks thanks for letting me be here you're a great ambassador for it man no thanks again brian you too